It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rabapudi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. Ah, KT on a hump day, baby. No place I'd rather be than Steiner's Pub right here, 1750 North Buffalo. One of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. Other two being 8410 West Cheyenne in their 25th year. They are the original. And then down there on the boulevard right there, it is 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South right there at Windmill in between the South Point and Mandalay Bay. Kind of put it in perspective there. But all three properties, 24 hours, great gaming. When you walk in, you'll see a marquee lit up board on the left side of the bar. It'll have the machines, the amount of the jackpots that have hit in the last several days. So you'll kind of get a feel which with, with uh, what machines have been hot, which ones have not. And you kind of pick and choose. But a lot of times, the bar is packed. Right now, I'd say 75% of the bar seats are taken. Uh, pretty good crowd on Wednesday nights. Always good to break the week up at Steiner's Pubs. I mean, it is outstanding. Now, the thing is, they are 24 hours a day. There is gaming and 21 and older. Got to be 21 and older. Now, the food is fantastic, so a lot of times you want to treat your family and the kids will enjoy it as well. Full menu. It's not bar food. It is outstanding. Like KT started today with the lamb chop appetizer, which is par for the course. 95% of the time I will start with the lamb chops. But then tonight, went a little bit on the healthy side. Went with the salmon and the uh, fresh asparagus. Nicely seasoned, perfect. So a good meal. Pre-game show meal and uh, ready to roll. But you can get everything from, you know, the burgers, a steak. You can get the beef stroganoff, which is a great special. All different types of salads. Uh, Chinese chicken salad is SportsX Michelle's favorite. Uh, so many different chicken sandwiches, burgers, just phenomenal food. Homemade onion rings, homemade salad dressings, homemade soups. And they have the little menus when you're walking in. Right on the outside, right before you walk in, like that little veranda area, you kind of reach right in there, and they've got the paper menus all printed out. It's got your homemade soups of the day, what's going to be on the tap as far as what sports are going to be going on. It'll let you know uh, the Raiders, of course, uh, UNLV, who will be home Saturday against Hawaii. And then, of course, we've got Vegas Golden Knights action. They actually have a preseason game at home at T-Mobile tonight, and hockey right here before you know it. Also, UNLV college basketball going to be starting up next month so it is a real busy time well it's actually it's almost october so yeah early november things will be starting up but you get some preseason action and uh it is that busy time of the year so steiner's pubs on a wednesday night is a great time great place and the cool thing is 24 hours a day you can get great food so if you're somebody working swing shift or graveyard you can bring your group out and enjoy the steiner's pub location so top of the line Always appreciate what they don't have on tap. They've gotten the bottle as far as at the bar. It is a full bar, cleanliness, top of the line, but the service is fantastic as well. And Roger Sachs, pet peeve for him, service has to be top of the line because that sets your experience at Steiner's Pub locations aside from other places that you may frequent. So not saying that they're bad, but you can always get great service at all the Steiner's Pub locations. Mark Hoke running the show. Mark Lawrence will join me at 625. 
keep him a couple segments. We'll close out hour number one there. And, and Andy Isco, more of Andy Isco. Is that a good thing? Eh, I don't know, man. I mean, no, I just used the original AI, of course. Artificial intelligence, no. Allen Iverson, no. Andre Iguodala, no. It is Andy Isco. He is the original AI. He will join me for a good portion of hour number two. And then Mikey Domagala will close up. Instead of Arthur DeCesar closing up normally from the Westgate Superbook, Arthur is buried so. Mikey Domagala, he is going to reflect on one of our starting five. Now, the starting five, number one. That's right, and i got to put it right at the top, so Mikey will comment and break this trade down. We knew Damian Lillard was going to be on the trading block. We knew it was going to get done before next week. We just didn't know. We heard Toronto could be the favorite. We heard several other cities could be the favorite. But lo and behold, it became a three-team deal today. So Portland, they sent Damian Lillard to where? The Milwaukee Bucks. Damian Lillard, are you kidding me? With Giannis? A little bit crazy. Portland. They're going to get back Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, and Tamani Kamara. This is part of a three-team trade with the Phoenix Suns involved as well. Yusuf Nurkic going to Phoenix. Grayson Allen going to Phoenix. Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. I mean, this is unreal as Damian Lillard heads to the Milwaukee Bucks. So we'll see how it all breaks down. I will have Mikey Domagala break it down, NBA buzz. He knows all about all these key components and how this deal is going down. But Lillard, 33 years of age, we know he's still got game for several more years. We'll see how it all pans out. Milwaukee going for it, giving up a pretty good guard in Drew Holiday. I mean, there's several key players there. So we'll see what Mikey says when he breaks it down in the second hour. Number two. All right, let me get to a little NFL action. I want to update you on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo because we don't know if Jimmy's going to be able to clear concussion protocol, but we're hoping that he will be able to go against the Chargers. And, you know, I was just kind of thinking, boy, I mean, you talk about two coaches on the opposite side of the spectrum on the same day. Here you have Staley, right, the coach for the Chargers, fourth and one, his own 24-yard line. He goes for it. And I get it if he gets the first down. No timeouts for Minnesota. Game's over. He didn't get it. They had to hold on, and they're fortunate they got a, a tip a couple times in the end zone there uh, off Kirk Cousins and were able to get that interception to hold on and get a win. But then you have Coach Josh McDaniels, fourth and four on the eight-yard line, down eight, two minutes, 20 seconds to go in the game, and doesn't go for it, kicks the field goal. So you got one riverboat gambler that says, I'm going down with the ship. I don't care. We're going. I mean, the only thing crazier than, you know, what uh, Staley did was still remembering Army. Watching the game, and Chicago Bill sitting here, he's a big Army guy, and every time we see each other, whoever says it first, I'll say, go Navy, beat Army. He'll say, go Army, beat Navy. Same thing with the phone call. That's how we start our phone calls off. But remembering Coach Monken for Army, on his own nine-yard line, I think it was last year, might have been the year before, but his own nine-yard line, fourth and one. And they got it by probably about four or five inches. They made it. It was at home in West Point. At the end of the day, man, I mean, if you don't make it, you're done. But we'll see how things all pan out here as far as uh, these moves. Hopefully Garoppolo can get through concussion protocol. There are some other updates as well. Jaguars going to be without Devin Lloyd, their linebacker, uh, in London for the next two games in London. So that's a key loss for the uh, Jags and the Titans. Also, left guard Pete Skaronsky, their rookie out of Northwestern, he is recovering from a ruptured appendix. He is out for a while. 
number three. All right, bad news for Mel Tucker. We knew it was coming down. We didn't know when, but we assumed probable cause was there, and Michigan State today officially cut ties with Mel Tucker, their head coach for the football team, and they said they had the just cause. They just wanted to make sure that everything was aligned with their legal department, so they part ways with Tucker. Don't know how the the structure is going to go as far as the financials, but we'll see how it all pans out. But it was with Brenda Tracy, a sexual assault awareness speaker, that he ended up having phone sex with, on his end anyway. Uh, You know, here's a lady hired to kind of go in and talk to the team and educate them on sexual harassment and and different things that they've got to be aware of. And then you have your head coach who's married and ends up getting into this predicament. These shenanigans cost him his job. And more importantly, they cost him his reputation. Because who's going to hire the guy now? I mean, he's a heck of a football coach at Colorado. That parlayed into a nice job there at Michigan State. Big payday. But then you throw it all away. So sometimes things look great monetarily. But if you don't follow your morals, or maybe he did in this case, it can come back to bite you. Mel Tucker let go by Michigan officially today. They fired him. Number four. Number four, I'm going to stay with college football because a key loss for the Aggies of Texas A&M, and of course they got that big game coming up at Jerry's house on Saturday, their rival game, always on a neutral field with Arkansas and Texas A&M. But their starting quarterback, Connor Wegman, that foot injury, which they thought was minor, turns out to be major. He is out for the season. He suffered a broken bone in that foot in the Aggies' 27-10 win over Auburn on Saturday. And initially they thought the x-rays were negative, but it turned out that it was a lot worse than they thought. So veteran SEC quarterback Max Johnson will step in and uh, be in relief, uh, of course, transferring from LSU, and he did a nice job helping the Aggies get that win against Auburn. But we'll see him in action on Saturday against Arkansas. But Connor Wegman, major blow for Texas A&M. He is out for the year. Number five. Number five, I'm going to just kind of point a little bit to the Ryder Cup coming up because we don't want to forget we've got great baseball, and I'm going to get into the wild card situation in just a little bit. We've got great football, college football all Saturday going to be good. You've got games on Thursday and Friday, but now we've got NFL football Sunday. Remember, the two London games back-to-back, Jacksonville involved in both of them two weeks in a row. So 6.30 a.m. for us two weeks in a row that we get rolling on the West Coast. East Coast, they get a, uh, you know, a taste of what it's like being on the West Coast. They'll get a 9.30 a.m. kickoff from London. But uh, I figured, you know what, let me uh, kind of make sure we don't forget about the Ryder Cup. That's right. USA taking on Europe. Going to be a lot of fun. Brooks Kepka, the only LIV golfer on the U.S. team. This will be over in Italy, just outside of Rome. Should be a lot of fun. But wanted to make sure that everybody remembers the Ryder Cup will be going on this weekend as well. I'll see if I may be able to get Brady Cannon to kind of break it down. Uh, USA, a pretty good-sized favorite, but the last time they won on European soil was way back in 1993 in England. Can they get it done? No. Yeah. I'm not going to be putting my money on them. In fact, a lot of folks I know did bet it on the Euros already, so we'll see how it all uh, turns out. But uh, going to be a lot of fun on this whole weekend. I mean, there's wall-to-wall stuff going on. Now, I will make it to UNLV. Got to go to that game at Allegiant Stadium against Hawaii. But that is a look 
at your starting five. And I'm going to get into the baseball a little bit, and then Mark Lawrence will join me in about seven minutes from now. But uh, Ryder Cup, Mark Koch, I didn't know if uh, if you're a big golf guy, Mark. I know you love your baseball, you love your football, you're a big wrestling guy, you love your ladies' volleyball because you coached ladies' volleyball for a long time. But I didn't know if you were a golf guy. Eh, not like I used to be, Ken. I, I used to follow it quite a bit, but not so much anymore. Not enough time with, of course, the professional wrestling. And, and by the way, Mark, congratulations, because your show on Sunday mornings, the Mark Hoke Show, through the roof as far as the ratings. So you should be congratulated. Two-hour show, early start time on the West Coast, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And, of course, you know, you have the Odyssey Rewind, which is great. But you have a ton of people listening from all over the world live to your show, and it reflects in the ratings. Congratulations, my man. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Uh, yeah, we were number two in everything with the, the 2554 men uh, July and you know, it's been very exciting. And, Ken, we've got more excitement coming up. Oh, no. Because not only am I going to Seattle for the AEW Wrestle Dream pay-per-view, right. but I have a very special guest on Sunday. It's his house. Swerve Strickland from AEW is going to be on the show. So uh, we're going to be interviewing him tomorrow and uh, playing that uh, back for everybody on Sunday. So that is awesome. So you're, going to be on the ro- you're going to be on the road doing the show? Uh, well, we're going to record on Friday, and, and so we won't be live. But uh, but we're going to have an interview in Swerve Strickland tomorrow, and we'll have everything put together for everybody on Sunday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Whose house? Cool. Swerve's house. There you go, Swerve's house. But, uh, hey, we could be uh, hearing some Oriole anthem music and talk a little baseball right now. Your Orioles were up. Five to one last I saw, taking care of business big time. Grayson Rodriguez has been outstanding. We talked about it. He had that little stint in the minors where he kind of got relegated back and got humbled a little bit. Lo and behold, he comes up big. Ever since he's been brought back up, he has been dynamic. And right now, the Orioles, let me go down and check it out. It is a final, so we will hear the magic anthem. By the way, Marge made it in here. Marge, a regular listener, a lot of K-Dawn shows throughout the years. She came in. She never forgets KT's birthday. Now, she's got me a gift bag. I didn't open it up. She goes, I'm sorry it's later. You go, there's nothing better than a week after your birthday when somebody brings you in a nice birthday bag because they couldn't make it in on your actual day. I mean, it's phenomenal because you're not expecting it. You're getting the old football terminology. You're getting blindsided with a gift. And Marge taking care of business for KT. But she's a big Cubs fan. And I told her, I said, your Cubbies are looking like they're in good shape tonight. Lo and behold... Atlanta, down 3-1 to one at home, had a run-in, first and second, nobody out. But the Cubbies were able to get through it. So right now, they continue to lead March. They are up by a score of 3-2. to two. They are batting in the top half of the eighth inning in Atlanta. They could use a win. Meanwhile, Miami and the Mets, they are tied two apiece. Miami behind the Cubs playing catch-up. Yesterday, tell everybody what happened, Mark, about the Mets, because there was no reason that they shouldn't have been able to play the game against Miami but the field kind of was not in condition to play. And that's apologizing to the Marlins. <laughs> they should have. But what, is that, what does that mean, right? You're saying it screwed up their pitching, all this stuff as they get set for their final six games. And the Mets tattooed them in game one, 11-2 today. Again, 2-2 two to two right now, bottom six. If the Cubs win and the Marlins lose, the Cubbies can pick up a game and a half right here and pretty much get a stranglehold on that third and final wild card spot. Yeah, apparently what happened, Ken, was when your boys were out of town, they didn't react quickly enough to getting the tarp on the field 
in New York for the series. So the field was still wet, and everybody decided that it wasn't safe to play. But it ended up messing up the Marlins' rotation because they had their top pitcher, because Alcantara's out, they had their top pitcher ready to roll and uh, for the first game and then for the last game of the season. But since they lost that day, he's not going to be available. So it screws up the Marlins' rotation because the Mets don't know how to put a tarp on a field. There you go. Well, that last day wouldn't come into play anyway. We'll see what happens. I, I mean, Marlins right now. I don't we'll know, see. Ken. I, I, I think that last day is coming into a play for about seven teams. I think. I'm not thinking that. First off, Cincinnati just lost to Cleveland okay, four to six. three. The Reds, the Reds are about buried themselves. They're about done. Uh, no, no, I feel bad for your buddy Ricky Chino back there at Cincinnati, but this team has not played good ball, and right now they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, the way that they've played after they got out like gangbusters after Dela Cruz came up, they are well under 500 over the last month, and they, to me, are not a team that deserves to be in. Now, give credit to Arizona, because here's a team that got off to a great start, and then they fell a couple games under 500. But they've turned it around, and now they're double digits over 500. They went on the south side today. Brandon fought, takes care of business, shuts out the White Sox 3-0. That is huge. So right now Arizona holding on to that number two wild card spot. Philly clinched the number one wild card spot, and then it's the Cubs. Marlins are behind them. Reds are behind them. But it doesn't look good for either of those. Again, the Marlins still have an opportunity. They really need Atlanta to come back and win this game. There will only be four games left after tonight. Again, the Cubbies leading 3-2, top eight. They are batting in Atlanta. Miami 2-2, top seven in New York against the Mets. Philly leads Pittsburgh, top nine, seven, six. Doesn't matter unless you bet on it. Milwaukee's come back in tied of St. Louis. By the way, with the Cubs losing that game last night, that clinched the central division for the Milwaukee Brewers. But they are tied with the Cardinals right now, 2-2, bottom six. 1-1, bottom three, Dodgers and Colorado. And that is a final now. Philly has beaten Pittsburgh. 7-6. to six. Meanwhile, American League Tampa shut out Boston. Glasnow pitching another solid game, and Tampa doesn't go away. They keep pressure on Baltimore, but as we told you, the Orioles took care of business 5-1. to one. Meanwhile, Toronto, they don't want to wrap up the wild card, right? I mean, they had it in control, looked good, but they get shut out by the Yankees. 6-0 judge, a couple more home runs. I mean, this guy's been on fire, but playing spoiler, the Yankees are, and trying to finish over 500, keep their streak going. Toronto, can't get out of their own way right now. They're still, if the season were to end today, they'd be in the playoffs. But if Seattle beats Houston tonight, Seattle will pass Houston by a half game, and Houston will be still right there within a half game of the Toronto Blue Jays for that final wild card spot. But that is the biggest game of the night. Valdez and Bryce Miller coming up in a little bit. Houston and Seattle. It is the Astros minus 114. Eight the total, shaded heavily to the under, minus 125. That means you have to bet $125 on the under eight. So if you think it's going to be less than eight runs, you would have to bet $125 to win 100. You'll get plus price the other way, just depending on what line the particular sports book you're betting at uses. Uh, interleague, 4-3, to three, as I said, Cleveland beat Cincinnati. That is a final. Baltimore with the 5-1 win over Washington. Mets in that first game, 11-2 beat Miami. And Arizona shut out the White Sox by a score of 3-0. Oakland doubling up on Minnesota on the road right now, 4-2. to two. Top six, they are a plus 250 in that game. We'll keep an eye there in Detroit. Behind Scooball, the lefty, shutting out Kansas City. Top five in Detroit. That score is 4 to nothing. Games that don't mean anything unless you bet on them. San Diego also will be at San Francisco. Padres mathematically alive right now, but they'd need the Cubs to lose all five of their games. They'd have to win all five of theirs. 
and uh, that's the only way they could get in. Waldron and Manea will go in that game from San Francisco, and that game will start in about 20 minutes from now. So that is a look, and I've gone way over the break, my goodness, and I didn't even realize, so forgive me. I'll take a break real quick, come back with Mark Lawrence. We'll keep him to the top of the hour. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Dawn. We're streaming live on the Odyssey app. Uh, little ZZ Top coming back on a hump day. KT live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, right there at Vegas Drive inside the Albertson Shopping Center. Come on down and see me. Great crowd here uh, taking in some great baseball. And Atlanta has tied the Cubs 3-3. Three to three. We'll keep an eye on that one. It's getting crazy. Wild card action, both American League, National League. Big game again coming up. Houston and Seattle separated by a half game. And the Mariners, remember, they close at home with the front-running Texas Rangers. Four games in Seattle. So the Mariners really control their own destiny. They win their last five games. They will be in the postseason. All right, Mark Lawrence is with me. Follow him at Mark Lawrence. Mark spelled with a C on Twitter, now known as X. And, of course, Playbook Sports, the best in the business. Mark Lawrence, it is great to have you. I'm so sorry. I was so busy talking wild card baseball and standings and scores. Next thing I know, I blew right by that that break. That's a soft break, but uh, short at you a few minutes. So forgive me there. But before we get going, Mark, speaking of baseball, I wanted you to just comment on somebody that I know you saw his whole career, one of the best in the business, and very close to my producer, of course, Mark Hoke, but uh, legendary Hall of Famer Brooks Robinson passing away yesterday. Yeah, we had quite a loss there, Kenny. He was uh, hands down for me growing up the epitome of a third baseman in Major League Baseball, uh, not only because of his prowess at fielding, but uh, he could hit the ball real well, and he handled himself terrifically, tremendously off the field. I think he was a Class A person, and he's going to be missed. No question about it. All right. Uh, I will uh, be talking with my producer more about some of the great accolades there with Brooks Robinson throughout the uh, upcoming weeks. But he will be missed, and it's good to see this Orioles team continue to excel. Winning yesterday, one nothing. Winning today, 5-1. to one. 99 wins for this team, whose win total was set at 79. Unbelievable that they got there on August the 25th and now have 99 wins with still four games left in the regular season. Pretty amazing. All right, Mark Lawrence, let's go right to it as far as college football. Got to get your take on the Ohio State-Notre Dame game because uh, we were treated to some just outstanding football. You know, handicapping and uh, point spreads aside, just some great games. I mean, Notre Dame-Ohio State and then the Clemson-Florida State game, those were two that you, you just had to, you know, watch entirely and you're on the edge of your seat throughout the fourth quarter in both those games. Yeah, they were both uh, football playoff game material, Kenny, and they both played out that way. You couldn't leave your seat until the end of the game, the end of each football game, and it didn't matter which side you had. You were thoroughly impressed with the effort by both football teams. Uh, It was a little bit surprising to find both of the home teams go home with the L. I would have thought at worst they might have split, but... uh, It was terrific viewing, terrific watching, and I have a feeling, just a feeling, that we're going to see uh, of those two teams, either Clemson, maybe not so much Clemson, but Ohio State in the college football playoff. All right, so Washington State really taking care of business last week. I mean, it ends 38-35, but they were in control pretty much throughout the game against Oregon State and putting points up on an Oregon State defense that a lot of people thought were going to be, you know, one of the best in the Pac-12 right up there with Utah. 
who they ironically end up playing in Corvallis. Now, that game was in the Palouse, never easy to win there. Uh, but Oregon State and Jonathan Smith, they have a chance still, but they have no margin for error, really. They've got to continue uh, to push the needle. And DJ Uyangalele and uh, Martinez, the running back, they're going to have to be ready to roll. They also have Deshaun Fenwick, so a good solid backfield there. But the defense is going to have to play much better than they did against Wazoo. Now, we don't know if Cam Rising is going to play for Utah. Uh, you know, there was reports that he was going to play last week, but they ended up holding him out. What's your take on this game? This game is coming up on Friday, and it's in Corvallis. It's a 6 o'clock local start, Pacific time, out west. Oregon State now, minus 3.5, total 44.5. So that lets me think that Rising's probably not going to play again. But what about this Oregon State team? Because Utah is pretty banged up at the quarterback position, and that bodes well for the Beavs who need a W in Corvallis. This is a very good Oregon State football team, Kenny. I realize uh, they took the loss at Washington State, but uh, that was a good Washington State football team that brought them down. Utah has been hanging on here without Cameron Rising all football season long, and I think a lot of that is attributed to their head coach, uh, Whittingham. He's done a terrific job with the football program here. We don't know if Cameron Rising is going to play in this football game or not, but all I know is all they do is win football games. And I would take a look at uh, Utah in this football contest here. I know Oregon State playing some pretty good football, but you have that, but you would call a little bit, a little bit of a bubble burst there for Oregon State having their perfect season just wrong. Yeah, no question. Meanwhile, USC is going to be in Colorado. USC had trouble with Drew Pine and Arizona State. It's only a seven-point game going to the fourth quarter. SC wins it by 14. But nonetheless, the defense, you know, Gave up points, gave up yardage, and now they go to Boulder. And I get it, and we, most of us felt that Colorado was going to get blown out at Autzen Stadium, missing Travis Hunter, their two-way player. But just kind of, you know, Autzen Stadium's one of those environments, and Shador Sanders and uh, Deion Sanders, they just didn't have any answers. But now they go back to Boulder. That line, Mark, has dropped significantly, open to 27-and-a-half with Southern Cal, the favorite, at Colorado. Last I saw... And it still is. It's 21-and-a-half. SC at the Westgate Superbook, minus 21-and-a-half. Total of 74. What about it, Mark? Well, we just don't know how motivated Colorado is going to be after uh, that uh, bloodletting that they suffered in the last football game. You know, uh, primetime is really, really upset and will come with everything he's got. But the truth of the matter is, if you look at the players on the field here, Southern Cal, much the better football team. And there's not a lot that Colorado can do if they're trailing Southern Cal and find a way to muster an attack here in a football game like this. I don't like laying big lumber on the road, but this is a dog in Colorado that I do not want any part of this week. There you go. Let me stay in the Pac-12 for a couple more because Washington is going down to Tucson to take on Arizona. The Cats barely getting a one-point win there in Stanford uh, up in Palo Alto. Washington, an 18-point favorite. They did have one road test, not much of a test from the boys from East Lansing going through all that coaching uh, shenanigans there with Tucker, who was finally let go today by Michigan State. But Washington minus 18 in Tucson, a night game, 67 and a half. Can Jed Fish get those cats up and slow down this Kalen DeBoer-led Washington Huskies offense with Michael Penix Jr. and just a ton of great receivers uh, with Polk, McMillan, Adunze. I mean, those guys are lethal. And Michael Penix Jr. transferring over, of course, from Indiana, doing one heck of a job. He's right there with Caleb Williams as far as the Heisman early run 
What about AZ? Can they hang in there at home night game against Washington? To my feeling, Kenny, that I think Arizona is one of the most under-the-radar type teams thus far this football season. And all you need to do is look at how they played in the stats. Uh, they're one of 24 college FBS teams this year that have outyarded everybody they've played so far. It's a, uh, a huge attestment to this football team. They've not allowed 355 or more yards in any game they've played. Uh, they're going to be buzzing here at Arizona Well, for this football game. Washington comes in here, the number one offense in the country, 592 yards a game. My concern is their defense is rather soft. They give it up 363 yards a game, and I realize Oregon's on deck for Washington. It might be a week from this next week. But the fact of the matter is I think Washington could get caught looking past Arizona in this football game. All right, and then one more Pac-12 game, because this was really intriguing for me. And UCLA, they are at home. Yes, they lost at Utah. Cam Rising did not play, but they still lost, and they gave up that pick six uh, by Dante Moore to start the game. But they are at home now. And, uh, oh, you know what? Check that. That's next week's game. I forgot about the old bye for UCLA. So I'm already a week ahead of myself. But I'm looking forward to that game. Mark, I'll just tell you, early on looking at that game, I think UCLA's defense is phenomenal, a lot better. We always look at a Chip Kelly offense, but I'm looking ahead. I think UCLA is going to beat Washington State. That's just uh, FYI for KT. Sorry, I got ahead there and uh, didn't realize, and that's why I couldn't find that spread on that game. Let me jump to the SEC, Arkansas and Texas A&M. These guys always play on that neutral field, and Wegman, now the quarterback, is out for the year for the Aggies. But they've got Max Johnson, the transfer from LSU, Arkansas, Great game. Baton Rouge had a chance to win it, but came up short. But K.J. Jefferson, he may get Rocket Sanders back in the backfield. Uh, He's got A.J. Green there. What about Arkansas plus the points? Because I like the Hogs. That's my two-point play in the Wise Guys contest. I just didn't know where you were with, uh, where you were on this one. I know they lost a heartbreaker there, and then now they're going to a neutral field at Jerry's house. But this game's always weird, and it seems to always be kind of close. So I took the six-and-a-half points. What about it? Where are you as far as this game? Well, I thought long and hard also, Kenny, like you did, uh, using Arkansas in the Wise Guy contest as well. I really like the makeup of this football team. I like the head coach. I like everything that they do. I'm not a big Jimbo Fisher fan for Texas A&M at all. And you take a look at Sam Pittman here. Uh, when he's been a single-digit underdog with the Hogs, he's 8-1 and one to the number. So his football team comes and plays in games where they can be competitive, at least in the eyes of the Vegas oddsmaker here. Uh, and, and you take a look also at... Uh, the Aggies were out yarded 415 to 343 yards last year, yet they won the football game. I think that's a huge incentive for Arkansas in this contest. I like the Hogs in the upset. LSU already has one blemish, although it was non-conference, the opener on Labor Day against, uh, or the day before Labor Day, actually, against Florida State. Fun game, and uh, they just, you know, turned it over, couldn't put it together there in the fourth quarter. They go to Ole Miss, who played a nice first quarter against Bama, but then really got slowed down by that Bama defense. So LSU at Ole Miss, can Jackson Dart and the Rebels and Lane Kiffin get that offense back in gear against an LSU team that nearly let their guard down and nearly got beat at home in the Bayou by by Arkansas? Where are you on this one? This is an intriguing game for me with Brian Kelly and Lane Kiffin. Well, this is a series that LSU's pretty much owned here, Kenny. They've won six of the last seven meetings coming into the football game. And you've got Brian Kelly in a role that he can really handle when he's in these small point spread ranges. Uh, 
picked our favorite three or less against a quality opponent, 750 or better. He's been there five times. He's won and covered all five of those football games. I think this could be a difficult time for Mississippi to get right back up after Alabama. You know they were focused for that football game. They wanted the upset. They smelled it early, but they just couldn't hold on and finish the job. I like LSU in this football game. I think they're the better football team, and you've got them in a virtual win-type situation there. Give me LSU over Ole Miss. There you go. That'll be a good one. LSU over Ole Miss. That'll make my boy Ragusa happy. He's a big Bayou Bengal backer. Let's move on down, stay in college, get one more in before the break. And uh, let's stay in the SEC. Let me, uh, I'm just trying to find the updated line on Florida and Kentucky. This game will be in Lexington. And right now, Kentucky minus one, total of 44. So the line has gone towards Florida. Uh, The Gators, of course, coming off a nice effort last week. Uh, you know, against Charlotte, no big deal. Uh, but really, the game against Tennessee, that's the one that kind of turned everybody's head. You and I were on them. Everybody that uh, you and I are connected with pretty much on Florida in that game because they've owned that series. It's now 10 straight that they've won in Gainesville. What about Florida going to Lexington? Because Mark Stoops' team's always kind of underrated. I don't know good, how good, uh, you know, this uh, Devin Leary-led offense is. But I do know that they're always tough in the trenches. What are we looking at here? The line is going Florida's way. Kentucky minus one, total of 44. Well, I think the line's going Florida's way, Kenny, largely because of the history in this series. Uh, You can't refute the history. Florida's just simply owned Kentucky. You go back 39-4 and last 43 football games. Uh, That's a big, big number for them. Uh, I think this is a nice spot for Florida to come in here and get their season set up, straightened, and all of a sudden uh, allow themselves to say that you know they are a contender in the Southeast Conference. You've also got uh, a coach here uh, in Florida that when he's been a dog in conference games, he's won 11 of his 13 games doing just that here. I like Florida in this football game here. I don't want to see them go to the favorite here because that would be too far of a stretch, but as long as they're dog, I'll be on the Gators. There you go. He is Mark Lawrence. Follow him on Twitter, now known as X, at Mark Lawrence. Mark spelled with a C. Take a break. Come back. I'm going to throw one more SEC game his way, and then we're going to go rapid fire in the NFL. SportsX Radio KT is live. Steiner's Pub, like he is on Wednesday nights. Come on down and see me. 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. Uh, rolling at you. Again, 101.5 FMK Dawn streaming live on the Odyssey app. If you haven't downloaded the app, real easy. It is a free app. It is worldwide. A-U-D-A-C-Y. And then you search SportsX Radio. Search the Mark Hoke Show. Mark Hoke Show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. The best in professional wrestling. He is my producer for SportsX Radio. We take a break. We come back right back live at Steiner's, live from Vegas. A uh, little Lincoln Park for the uh, kid from Chicago, Mark Lawrence, uh, of course. Uh, well, he's actually a Cleveland guy, so I'm thinking of Chuck Edel and Chicago Bill that was over here, a couple of Chicago guys. KT all messed up over here on a Wednesday night, but having fun at Steiner's. Hey, look, I'm watching the Cubs game. They took a 4-3 lead in the top half of the ninth inning. Lo and behold, Ozuna has just hit a solo shot in the bottom of the ninth to tie things up at four apiece. Atlanta still batting, nobody out, bottom nine. That game tied at four. Mets and Marlins, game two, tied at two, keeping you updated there. 
Uh, let me see if anything else. The Brewers just grabbed a run again. It doesn't matter. They've already wrapped up the Central. Rangers one nothing lead, top one in Anaheim. They are out. Astros are out, top one in Seattle. That's the biggest game on the baseball slate. We'll keep you updated on that throughout the evening. Let's go one last game, college football for Mark Lawrence. SEC, Auburn, and Georgia. Georgia's first road test as the uh, Dogs open with four home games. They go to Auburn. This is uh, Hugh Freeze, his first year back in the SEC, and they're at Auburn. 14-and-a-half, the Dogs are favored. They have not really been impressive, Mark. Uh, I know they're two-time defending champions, and I know maybe push comes to shove, maybe they, you know, clamp down, but they struggled against South Carolina. They gave up over 340 yards to a UAB team at home in between the hedges. I know it's different once you get geared up for SEC play, probably going to play at a higher level. But what's your take on this one? Georgia favored 14-and-a-half on the road against Auburn, who got beat by Texas A&M last week. Well, you know, Kenny, they call this the Deep South's oldest rivalry. And, you know, we're not aware of that. We're aware of other bigger rivalries, but that's what it is between these two football teams. you got the Georgia Bulldogs looking to three-peat this year, and I think they're having some problems putting it in gear, much like they've had it at least the last two years. And all you need to do is look at their defense and find out it's not dominating like it's been in the past. They're number 17 overall in the country right now, which means uh, they can be attacked upon. Got an Auburn football team with the head coach and Hugh Freeze. That's 28 and 12 to the spread in his career when taking points. I have to take the points in a football game like this, especially when I think Georgia is vulnerable this football season. They have a target on their back that everybody wants a piece of them week after week after week. And I don't know if Georgia could sustain like that. I think this is a nice spot for Auburn to come in here and, like South Carolina did, scare the devil out of the Georgia Blue Dogs. All right, so let's go rapid-fire NFL. Got five minutes to go and a bunch of games to get to. Let's start with tomorrow night's game. Detroit, nice defensive effort. Shut down Atlanta, win it 20-6. to Packers come from behind, 17-0. Derek Carr knocked out, but Love stays with it. They find a way to get it done, 18-17 at home. Uh, or, uh, yeah, now the Packers stay at home. They're plus two against the Lions, 46 your total. Did you do anything with the Thursday night game, Mr. Lawrence? Well, if I did, Kenny, I would look at the home dog in this football contest here. There's a ton of history, as you can imagine, in this game. Uh, 28-4 straight up Green Bay at home against Detroit. Now, a lot of that was with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. But it's still a ton of history that Detroit has to overcome in doing just that. Last week, Green Bay won, and they extended their record in home openers to 16-1. and They're also 12-0-1 straight up at home in game two of the football season. I like the fact that they come into this football game after that that really come-from-behind win that they enjoyed last week here. I think Green Bay takes Detroit down in this football contest. When would you ever think that you're going to see a underdog with a team that's undefeated and just put up a 70 spot? Uh, that's the case. Miami's at Buffalo. The Bills minus 2.5, minus 120 at the Westgate Superbook. If you like the Bills, you should play it now because I'm starting to see threes pop up all over Vegas at even money, and a lot of those games end on three more than any other number in the NFL. Mark, what about it? Do you touch this game at all, or do you kind of watch? You know this Miami team, but they just look like they're on roller skates while everybody else is walking. Well, you know, there's a big letdown factor, probably likely in order for Miami here after what they rolled over last weekend against Denver here. Only the eighth time a team won a game by 50 or more points going back to 1980. 
The problem for Miami is every one of those teams lost to the spread the following week. So the regression to the mean, the letdown has been there before in the past. The question is, will it be there in this football game? I don't believe so, and I don't believe so because a couple of reasons. Number one, it was Buffalo who sent Miami packing in the NFL playoffs last year, uh, which they certainly remember in this contest. Number two, if you look at this game fundamentally, Miami's averaging 6.1 yards a rush. That goes into a Buffalo rush defense that gives up 5.9 yards a carry. That's a glove that fits perfectly into the underdog in this football contest. Give me the Miami Dolphins. All right, let me uh, stay with the home team here. The Raiders, they go to L.A. Again, Raiders not electing to go on that fourth and four from the eight-yard line, uh, a head-scratcher for most people involved in the game. Chargers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. They lose Mike Williams, receiver for the year. Now, there is a chance that Austin Eckler may be able to get cleared and get back in the lineup. He's not 100%, but he may be able to go somewhat there. What about a Chargers, five-and-a-half, 48-and-a-half? Jimmy G still in concussion protocol. Well, Jimmy G being a concussion protocol, it, 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 it's really imperative that if Vegas stands a chance, he has to be in the lineup here, and it doesn't look like a period that he's going to be. Uh, my biggest concern is which of these two football head coaches is going to mess this football game up, first and foremost. it was uh, I love what uh, Rich Gannon said on the NFL.com last week, watching Brandon Staley in that faux that he did against Minnesota last week, going for first down on the 20-yard line, deep in the game with a small lead that, he called that coaching malpractice. It's exactly what it was. Uh, there, there's no getting around it. It was a blunder on his part, and he got away with it, but he's not being called out for it because he got away with it. And I think it was also a mistake on uh, Josh McDaniel's part last week, kicking the field goal rather than going for the touchdown. We can talk about this till the cows come home as far as the football game is concerned, but somebody's going to have to play and somebody's got to win this football contest here. I would only look at the Raiders if Jimmy G is behind center. There you go. Meanwhile, the uh, Steelers, who won that Sunday night game, they stay on the road. Now, you could take them plus three and even money. They're going to Houston. You know all about C.J. Stroud, the quarterback for the Texans, who comes off a stellar performance and an excellent win for Houston at Jacksonville. What about a Pittsburgh minus three, 42-and-a-half from Houston? Well, C.J. Stroud has been the best of all these rookie quarterbacks thus far this football season, at least through the first three games of the, of the, of the season here. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 900 yards, more than 900 yards, in his first three starts in the National Football League. So he's got his act together. Houston's really thrilled that they selected him with the number one selection in the draft. I think he he far outshines Kenny Pickett for the Pittsburgh Steelers, whose offense is in a big-time hurt right now. You take a look at what Pittsburgh's done here. They're winning football games the last two, but they were out-yarded in both of those contests. It was the defense that pulled Pittsburgh through here. I don't think they're going to pull through here in this football game. You've got a confident Houston Texan football team, and I think they take Pittsburgh down in this game as well. There you go. Great stuff from Mark Lawrence. Mark, at 20 seconds, give me the Ravens-Browns. You know those two teams inside out, the former Browns and the current Browns. Deshaun Watson coming off his best game in a long time. Minus three, even money, 40 the total against Baltimore. Well, you got Baltimore coming in off a straight-up favorite loss at minus seven in their last football game, and the Browns really sky high right now. But I think things even up here in the dog pound. I think Baltimore plus the points has to be the play in this football game. And I hate to say that because my heart's in Cleveland, but my money's on Baltimore. 
There you go. At Mark Lawrence on Twitter, now known as X. And uh, Playbook Sports. Get all of Mark's plays there. Hour number one in the books. Come back with the great AI. Andy Isco going to join me to start hour number two. Keep it rolling. And then my buddy Mikey Domagala talks about the big NBA trade. I'm live at Steiner's 101.5 FM. K-Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. We'll be right back live from Vegas. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. All right, KT back, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. And KT is taking in all this baseball. Marlins and Mets still 2-2. Bottom eight, Mets bat two outs, nobody on. Big game there. Mets won the first game 11-2. Meanwhile, Cubbies, they gave up the tying run with nobody out in the bottom of the ninth. And then Atlanta had the winning run at second with one out. But the Cubs got out of that, forced extra innings. And it is 5-4. The Cubs got a run home. They're going to the bottom of the 10th. Remember, they start with the man at second base. Never change that rule back. But that's uh, where we're at. Cubbies 5, Braves 4. Braves coming to bat now in the bottom half of the 10th. Mariners got a run in the first inning after getting the Astros out. They go to the top of the second. Big game. If Seattle wins, they pass Houston by a half game. They start tonight tied in the loss column, but right now the Mariners have played one less game, and they have that uh, half-game deficit there as far as the Astros having 86 wins, Seattle with 85. Remember, Seattle closes with four home games against the Texas Rangers, who are also in action. They are batting two outs, two on. Top two in Anaheim, leading the Angels by a score of one to nothing. They have been on fire there now. 19 games over 500. Brewers continue to lead 3-2. Bottom eight over St. Louis, four to one. Dodgers bottom five at Colorado. It is 4-4. A's and Twins top eight from Minnesota, and we'll keep an eye really on that Cubs game and that Mariners Astros game throughout the uh, rest of the night until those games hit. Uh, the fine until they go final, and we don't know uh, that Astros Mariners game won't finish up until we're off the air. But we'll keep an eye on that and get Seattle with that one nothing lead. Meanwhile, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on as far as NFL football. But I bring in Mr. Andy Isco. You can follow him at Vegas Andy seven eleven at Vegas Andy seven one one in the original AI. Well, he knows all about Brooks Robinson. He got to watch that Mets World Series in nineteen sixty nine, and Brooks, the vacuum cleaner, just phenomenal but he and he got to see Brooks Robinson before I did he's a few years older and the Orioles of course you know just a stellar team mid-60s all the way through you know the early 70s they were one of the best teams in Major League Baseball history Andy Isco I welcome you back to SportsX Radio bud great to talk to you on a Wednesday night and uh, want you to reflect on Brooks Robinson because you got to see a lot of him in his heyday 
Well, Ken, uh, yeah, you know, the word being used to describe him is just a man of class, just a great human being, in addition to being an outstanding Hall of Fame ball player. I mean, uh, when, I, when I think of him, I think of guys like Stan Musial, who had a similar type of reputation, just an all-around good guy, very uh, very active in the community and all that as far as his post-playing career. And the thing with Brooks Robinson is he's, you know, he's known for being such an outstanding third baseman, arguably the best fielding third baseman in baseball history history. Uh, what's overlooked, he's, he also had some pretty good offensive numbers. He came up just a little bit short of uh, 3,000 hits in his major league career, and he's one of those uh, uh, ball players who at that time uh, was, uh, was more common than it is today, played his entire career uh, with just one team. You know, you think about guys like Tony Gwynn with the Padres, you go back a little bit earlier, you think of a guy like Carl Yastrzemski with the uh, Red Sox. Well, Brooks Robinson played his entire career. Uh, you know, Al Kaler with the Tigers. Brooks played his entire career with the uh, uh, Baltimore Orioles, and, you know, that was a juggernaut team that the Mets beat in 1969. Of course, the Orioles would come back, uh, you know, right after that and win a World Series of their own, uh, but Brooks Robinson uh, had many offensive contributions that are often overlooked simply because of an outstanding defense, so he shouldn't, we shouldn't short his legacy by just talking about him as a great third baseman. He was a great baseball player. There you go. Well put. Andy, uh, your take, you know, as we look at this Orioles team that won their 99th game tonight, what's your take on something like that happening? Because it's not like, you know, any of these guys were around to watch Brooks Robinson, but because of the history of the Baltimore Orioles and him, you know, being around the team and making it to games here and there, but, you know, that stellar reputation. People know who he is, his pitcher all over the, you know, the clubhouse area and whatnot. So uh, what's your take as far as something like that as it comes in, you know, from a sports betting angle, do you look at this as maybe just like one of those years of destiny? Because I kind of looked at that Orioles team prior to the uh, passing of Brooks as that team, you know, when you look at what they did last year to close the season, and then they've just been so consistent this year. That's why even that four-game losing streak they had earlier in the month was kind of, you know, eye-opening because they hadn't done it, you know, throughout the year. So, uh, you know, didn't have that major tailspin. And for a team that had a win total set at 79, pretty impressive stuff. But do you put any emphasis on the passing, Brooks Robinson, as far as tying it into, you know, changing maybe, uh, you know, your outlook as far as playing this team on a future? Not, not really. The, the really disappointing aspect of it is that uh, Brooks couldn't live another six weeks or so and, and see the Orioles perhaps win a uh, world championship because that would have been uh, uh, you know a nice thing for him to have before he, he passed away. But I don't know that it's necessarily going to spur them on any more than they already are enthused about where they've been. And I know you and Mark have talked about it many times. You know, Mark Hoke, uh, uh, Las Vegas' number one Orioles fan, I would, I would, uh, I would, I would think, uh, talked about it, how for the past two years they've built a a very, very solid farm system, and unlike a lot of teams, they did not trade away all their uh, blooming stars. They kept a lot of them. They've developed together. I'm not going to make the comparison back to the core four of the New York Yankees back in the late, mid to late 1990s because you know they accomplished an awful lot. We still have to see if Baltimore can carry through, but this team is well-positioned. They don't have outstanding pitching. They've got some very solid pitchings, guys like uh, Bradish and Kramer, and uh, uh, Grayson Rodriguez has really, t- really turned his season around over the last... Uh, three, four months after struggling.
struggling in April and May. Uh, even a veteran like Kyle Gibson, who uh, you know eats a lot of innings but uh, has been reasonably productive. Uh, this is a nice team that they believe in themselves. They don't get down on themselves, so they feel that uh, they can win any time uh, they take the field. So I don't know that they're a team of destiny, but they're certainly a team that showed last year that's a team on the rise. And, uh, yeah, you guys were very smart in, uh, in, in playing the over. My thoughts were a little bit less optimistic because they made such a great improvement in 2022 over 2021 and years prior that I thought they would regress a little bit. Now, I didn't bet the under, but I certainly wasn't as enthusiastic as you and Mark and many others were, uh, and yet they've exceeded those expectations, and it shows that uh, sometimes if you're patient, and Oriole fans have had to be patient for a long time, uh, you, get re- you get rewarded because this is a team that's also built uh, to be a contender over the next few years, unlike teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, which seem to be aging, uh, Toronto to a certain extent as well. Uh, Tampa is just a fundamentally sound team. So Baltimore's position to be a contender in the American League uh, at least over the next three to five years. No doubt about it. 5-5, the Braves have tied it up. They have a man on second. Acuna just stole second. Nobody out. Again, 5-5, bottom 10. Cubbies are going to have to work a miracle again to push it to the 11th. Still 2-2, top 9, Marlins-Mets. Game 2, again, Mets won that first game, but the Marlins could really use the Cubs losing. Arizona got a 3-0 shutout, a win, so they are going to be positioned pretty well after tonight. Andy, as I look at baseball before we move on, staying uh, as far as these wild card races, they are fun to watch, uh, but they're, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> They're not easy on the ticker for uh, some of these fans of these clubs. Marge stopping in. She's a big Cubs fan and sweating out her baby bears, as she calls them. Uh, what about the Cubs? What about the Marlins? And what about the Diamondbacks? How impressive is this job by Lavello, the uh, the manager there for a- AZ? Because, again, I was a guy calling for his head uh, a year and a half ago and, and thought he'd be out of there. But i got to give management credit. They kept him, uh, you know, uh, as ownership, I should say, they kept him around. And he has turned that team around big time. They really have one heck of a squad, and the pitching's been pretty good, but timely hitting. And uh, they got another 3 nothing win today. Yeah, that's another young team that has shown signs of development, and the ownership and management has been patient with them. They've got a nice nucleus of offensive players. They've got some nice pitching, guys like Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, coming into their own over the last year or so. Uh, this team is uh, is positioned. Now, unfortunately, uh, they're in a division where uh, a team like the Dodgers, they may be aging, but they replace their parts because they can afford to do so. So they would not figure to be down for long. The Dodgers actually this year have won with you know modest pitching, but just a tremendous Tremendous, tremendous uh, lineup, probably second only to Atlanta in Major League Baseball as far as the versatility and uh, and what they can do. So, I mean, as, as a baseball fan, ignoring who I may have futures on, I would look forward to an NLCS with uh, Atlanta and the Dodgers because those two teams could, could provide some uh, powerful, entertainingly uh, enjoyable uh, baseball. But Arizona certainly is playing the best of these wild card contenders uh, down the stretch. You pointed out uh, earlier about Cincinnati struggling and uh, yeah they, they really have struggled over the last two months before uh, prior to that they had really been hot really beginning when Yuri uh, uh, when the, the press came up uh, back in uh, early June, as I recall. And they were hot really until slightly after the All-Star break. Uh, the Cubs have had bits of momentum, uh, but certainly uh, uh, Miami as well. But right now, I think that uh, of those teams, you know, if you want to talk about the most deserving team, maybe it's the most deserving team is the team that's playing best as the season winds down into its final days. And right now, that appears to be uh, Arizona. There you go. Dela Cruz. 
very, very solid. And bad news for not, those Cubbies. I'm thinking of the Miami pitcher, Dela Cruz, is who I was talking about. The yeah, the, uh, the, the Braves, 6-5, to five, they get it done in 10 innings. So the uh, Miami Marlins now hoping that they can gain a half game on the Cubs. And they could do that if they get that win. They were batting top nine against the Mets, and they have the first two men on. They have men at the corners with nobody out, again, in a 2-2 game. So we'll keep an eye there. Uh, still 4-1 to one Dodgers over the Rockies. Still one nothing Rangers lead the Angels. That's now bottom two. Bottom two, Mariners up one nothing on the Astros. That's the biggest game of the night is that's the final be, uh, game of that three-game series. Mariners winning last night to break a losing streak and hoping that they can parlay that into a six-game winning streak, winning this game tonight and then sweeping the Texas Rangers who go to Seattle for four. Andy, this Texas team had their backs against the wall. Lou Scherzer, they'd already lost to Grom, couple ex-Mets. Lo and behold, you know, backs against the wall. They really put it together, the Texas Rangers, and they look like they're more than likely going to win that AL West if they can you know, at least grab a game, maybe two, uh, there in Seattle. But still got a lot of baseball to play, and a lot depends on what happens tonight. Again, the Rangers up one nothing, Mariners up one nothing, an Astros win, and that would really take the wind out of the sails for Seattle going into that final series. Yeah, exactly. In fact, Seattle really uh, controlled its destiny with uh, the loss by Texas uh, last night uh, to the Angels and their win because they do host them for four games. I think they trail them by three games uh, in the uh, win column. Uh, and, of course, when it's all said and done, you're going to play 162. So they have an opportunity, but they have to, they have to do what Houston does, what the Texas does tonight, win or lose. And then uh, most, uh, if they don't, they, they most likely have to sweep uh, the uh, the Texas Rangers over the uh, over the weekend, and they do play them at home. But Seattle has not been playing well over the last uh, two weeks or so. You talked about Texas. Texas had its swoon early enough back in uh, I would say late August, early September, and they've recovered and are playing very nicely. In fact, I remember one of the uh, last shows we did in the old time slot with you, uh, myself, and, and Wayne Krivsky, and we sort of thought that Texas might be the team that might not make it after having such a great season because they were in their swoon at that time, which would have been about the last week of August. Uh, but they've certainly turned it on. And of the three teams right now in that division, Houston, Seattle, and, uh, um, and Texas, Rangers are playing the best. No doubt about it. They are. And it is a lot of fun to watch as these wild-card teams move forward. But Arizona, 84-74. and 74, And with that Cubs loss, the Cubs dropped to 82-76. and 76. So a two-game lead now for Arizona with four to play. That is impressive. Now, remember, the Diamondbacks, it's a rarity, but they're going to host the American League's Houston Astros. And if the Astros lose tonight, they're going to need those games. Arizona getting a, a reprieve there with the Cubbies losing, so they've got a little margin for error. But nonetheless, it's going to be very interesting as we get into those last three games of the uh, regular season as we move on down. So uh, a lot of fun, and you'll have four games for some of the teams. Remember, Texas and Seattle, they still have four games left. So, uh, But a major loss for the Cubs last night, Andy, when they uh, when, when uh, Suzuki dropped the ball that he lost in the lights with two outs, trying to one-hand it there in right field, and that allowed the Braves to come back from 6 nothing down and get that 7-6 win, and then you know, the Cubs had that lead several times tonight but couldn't hold it, and the Braves get it done. Now, they'll be fortunate if the Marlins end up losing to the Mets. But again, like I said, last I saw, the Marlins had uh, in the top half of the ninth inning their first two men score on. score a run. It's up 3-2 right now, still batting. There you go. All right, so still batting. So the Marlins trying to gain a half game on the Cubbies as they bat top nine. 
and we'll keep an eye on this wild stuff as far as baseball. I said, uh, you're going to get people's hearts to skip, and that's why we come out and we tell you, if you're between the ages of 40 and 72, you got no excuse here in the Vegas Valley not to go down and see Dr. John Pearson Company at the Preventative Diagnostic Center. PDCenterLV.com is the website, PDCenterLV.com. We've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. So if you're flying into Vegas, you can give a call as well as if you're uh, here in the Vegas Valley and you make this your home. You know the 702 area code for Vegas, 534-7900, 534-7900, 534-7900. Give a call now. Leave a message. Get that free educational consultation. Let them know Ken Thompson SportsX Radio sent you. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get that detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center, and Dr. John Pierce continues to roll out the heart CT scan and calcium score special. $125 for a $600 value. Your significant other absolutely free. The two of you get in, total $125, $1,200 value. Get your hearts checked out. Make sure you're good to go as far as with the ticker, why you're there. They'll let you know how you can get all your organs checked out internally. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900-PDCenterLV.com. Take a break. Come back with Andy Isco. Got lots to talk about. Going to get into the college football. Going to get into the NFL. We'll get some plays from AI. We're live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub, 101.5 FMK Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Mark Hoke producing. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson. We'll be right back. The magic happens every time you go. You make the magic happen. Magic of Orioles baseball When the game is close And the yokes are hot There's a thundering roar from 34 To give it all they got And you never know Who's gonna hear the call Every game does a different star That's the magic of Orioles baseball Magic continues. The Orioles get that big win tonight, 5-1 to one, over the Washington Nationals. And uh, behind Grayson Rodriguez, uh, Rushman with a, another home run. That kid's been outstanding, batting in that number two spot. And they get their 99th win of the year, so the Magic continues. Uh, Tampa Bay won as well as they took care of business behind Glasnow, shutting out the Red Sox at Fenway. But uh, the Orioles' magic number now is one. So if they can uh, get one more game, they're going to wrap up that AL East. And the best record in the American League, still one nothing. Seattle leading Houston top three. Miami got another run in the ninth. So the Mets now batting bottom nine. It is to 4-2. Miami leading again, looking to get the split. The Cubbies end up losing that game to Atlanta. So Miami will gain a half game on the Cubs. And I believe being uh, just a half game behind, it's... It's getting crazy. Andy, would they be a half game behind or would they be tied? Uh, I, I just didn't. I'm, I'm trying to keep track of that uh, Miami Cubs game, uh, Miami Cubs deal. And I think they were a game back when they started the night. So I think they'd be a half game out. Uh, Texas added a run in the top of the third. So they lead the Angels now 2 to nothing in that game there as they try and uh, solidify that AL West. 
But the big game, of course, Seattle-Houston, it's top three, one nothing Mariners. Again, a Mariner win, and they pass the Astros by a half a game. And uh, they'll have four games left. Houston will have three in Arizona. Diamondbacks got that 3 nothing shutout over the White Sox today behind fought. Uh, good effort there. And uh, Cincinnati lost to Cleveland 4-3. to That's bad news for the Reds. Reds really have to close out, win their last three games, and then they're going to need some help. And uh, that's what you don't want to do. Like Andy said, you don't want to have to depend on anybody else. So that's why the Mariners of Seattle know that they control their own destiny if they can just keep on winning. All right, let's jump into some college football, Mr. AI. Uh, we've got about 17, about 16 minutes to go, so we should be able to get a lot of these games in, college and NFL. And let me start with Notre Dame-Duke because Brad Powers and I had looked at that game. Uh, Brad actually really did brought it up to my attention uh, prior to the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, and I know you're somebody that really likes to look at spots for different teams, and Duke taking care of business in a big way at UConn. Uh, not a difficult game for Mike Elko. What a job he's done, but they're off to that 4-0 start, and they'll be hosting Notre Dame. We know they hosted Clemson uh, back there on Labor Day and took care of business in a standalone game on that opening Monday. What's your take here? The Irish going to try and get off the mat in a, in a game that they lost to Ohio State that they had several opportunities to win. Uh, can Sam Hartman in the offense get rolling? Well, yeah, it's most disappointing for Notre Dame is the way they lost. They were down. They rallied to take that late lead and then couldn't hold on. As you're watching the end of the game, you almost got the sense that, yeah, Ohio State's going to find a way to get in the end zone and uh, uh, win the contest. And unfortunately for some people who may have bet the game, uh, there was like a second left on the clock, so they had to try the extra point, which put the margin at uh, uh, three, which could have turned uh, uh, wins into pushes for, for some folks and uh, losses into pushes for others. Uh, as far as uh, the uh, uh, the game this week goes, I take a look at the way Duke handled Clemson to start the season. They knew that was a big game, and it was the first game of the season. It was going to be nationally televised, and they had the entire off-season, spring practice, etc., to prepare, and they certainly showed that they were prepared. So the mental aspect of Duke it was very impressive. And then you add to that the game last week at UConn. Yeah, it wasn't expected to be a tough game. Uh, UConn uh, not having the kind of season a lot of us thought they might have this year under Jim Mora Jr. after his success last year. But still, Duke uh, took care of uh, everything they needed to take care of in a very impressive way. Um, I would not be shocked if Duke beat Notre Dame here. Uh, they, uh, they beat Notre Dame, uh, oh, five or six years ago uh, when uh, nobody expected to. In fact, I think they were like 16-point underdogs when they pulled that up. So but that was, I think, around 2016 or so. Uh, you take a look at the numbers and, of course, the quality of competition. Well, you can't argue, you know, Duke beat Clemson and uh, Notre Dame played Ohio State. Those are two pretty good good uh, opponents that these teams had. Uh, I like what Elko has done. Uh, we saw signs of it last year, and they're following through. They're building upon it this year. So uh, I was able to uh, uh, to grab uh, uh, the points early in the week, and I don't know if it's going to go up any higher, but I also have a little play on the, uh, on the uh, Dukies on the uh, money line. Yeah, there's no doubt that Mike Elko's done a hell of a job. Riley Leonard's a fun quarterback to watch, and he's got a good backfield with Waters and Moore. Calhoun and Jordan Moore, pretty good receivers as well. And they've got some defensive players as well. They're no slouch on defense. You know, Notre Dame, boy, heart and soul they put into that game against Ohio State. That was just one of those great games, and I talked about it. Not only that game, but the Florida State-Clemson game, I mean, which really, uh, you know, kind of took the wind out of Clemson's sails at the end of the third quarter with that strip sack and fumble return, but they still had their opportunities. Uh, but two games for the ages on the same day, a lot of fun to watch. What about Clemson? Can they 
rebound now because now they know their national title hopes are, are down the drinks. They've dropped a couple games, you know, at Duke and at home to Florida State. Uh, odds of them winning the ACC are pretty much nil, but, you know, it's still a good club, and Dabo Sweeney's going to try and get them going, but they got to turn around and go to Syracuse, and Davos, uh, and uh, Dino Babers has done a heck of a job, has the cuse off to that 4-0 start, got out of the gate slowly against Army, but found a way. Your take on this one, Syracuse and Clemson, and let me see what that line is. What's a, uh, it's a six and a half. Clemson favored six and a half, total of 53. Yeah, in many ways, it's similar to uh, uh, to the Notre Dame situation. Uh, Clemson, you talked about their national title hopes, and you said uh, have a shot. They really don't have much of a shot at the ACC title because they've already got two losses uh, right. to Clemson and Florida State, and one of those two teams is quite possibly going to have the best record in the conference, and the other may finish uh, uh, second best. So it's, it's really a, a, a very real, unrealistic expectation. Not impossible, not mathematically impossible, but extremely Unrealistic, and you have to wonder what the mindset is of Clemson. You know, they, this, I thought they put everything into that game against Florida State because they realized that a win there, and they're now back in uh, the uh, ACC race and the national championship picture because that loss was, you know, the first game of the season. So I have to respond how the, I have to question how they're going to respond this week. Syracuse has played Clemson tough over the last half decade or so, uh, going up against uh, uh, very ta- uh, talented, more talented team than this year's team going up against Dabo Sweeney and uh, you know uh, uh, Bavers has, has done well uh, in building that program at Syracuse started to feel a little heat but this year seems to all be coming through again I would not be shocked uh, with the uh, with an outright upset Syracuse is playing that well they've played some good competition as well on the road not anything like Clemson's game against Florida State but I have to wonder uh, how mo- not motivated but just if they have the intensity in the tank Clemson does and uh, meanwhile uh, you know, they were uh, I grabbed seven with Clemson with Syracuse earlier in the week. I see it's down to six and a half a lot of places. And also, like with uh, like with Duke, took a little bit on the money line because uh, you know if there's going to be a year where Syracuse will not be intimidated and should not be intimidated, this would be the year. There you go. All right. By the way, Duke plays at Florida State October the 21st. Uh, so jot that one down. That should be one that could be for the ACC. We're not counting out North Carolina. We know there's still plenty of football to be played, but. Uh, Those two teams look the best so far early on, and we'll see how things transition. Again, uh, Clemson was right there in that game with Florida State. Had they won that game, you still have a race uh, with Clemson involved. But as Andy said, now they have two blemishes already in conference. Utah-Oregon State, that is a Friday game. And from Corvallis, uh, the Beavs now 3.5, 44.5. Andy, I think a lot of people were surprised. Not that uh, Oregon State lost because they thought, you know, most people thought that Wazoo in the Palouse after beating Wisconsin would definitely have an opportunity to beat Oregon State. But the way that Washington State and Cameron Ward was able to move the football via the airwaves against that Beavers defense because that defense was really the uh, – you know, that was one of the strengths of this Beavers team. Jonathan Smith doing a nice job with the offense, but, you know, they're surrounded by, you know, a couple solid running backs in Martinez and Fenwick uh, to go with DJ Uyunglele, uh, who transferred over from Clemson. What's your take now? Can Oregon State get it together on this Friday night game and get a much-needed win? They're getting a lot of the money, and the quarterback situation for Utah has been dicey all year with the uh, Cam Rising factor, and, uh, you know, you throw that in, and 
and and this team, you know, is is kind of banged up right now at that quarterback position. So uh, not only the rising question, he's listed as questionable. We know Rose also listed as questionable, but uh, you know, we'll wait and see. But right now, Oregon State getting all the money. Yeah, I was actually surprised last week that Oregon State was a road favorite at Washington State. I had these two teams rated uh, pretty much even. I would have expected the game to be uh, closer to pick, so I was I was on Washington State from the start. And they got out to that nice, comfortable lead, and uh, I give Oregon State a lot of credit because uh, they knew they had this game against Utah coming up this week, and yet they, uh, they did not just pack it in. They came back and rallied, and yeah, they didn't really have a chance to win it because they scored late to make it 38-35, but I like the fact that they could continued to play hard, despite the fact that they were almost, uh, uh, they almost knew that they were certain to lose at that point in the game. I like this Oregon State team last week. As I say, I went against them. This week, I'm on them against Utah. In fact, uh, uh, there were a couple of threes around earlier today. I think there's still one I see at, uh, at uh, one of the local books here in town. Um, you, you mentioned rising for Utah. If, he's still listed as questionable, but if he does play, you have to wonder how effective he's going to be because this Utah offense has been absolutely inept through their first few games of the season. The defense has played well, but I like, I, I'm looking be, partly because I like them as a football team, but it's even enhanced by the fact that they didn't quit last week against Washington State. I think this team realizes that they still have a shot uh, to do some good things in the Pac-12 because there are so many good teams, and and many of them are going to have to face each other uh, before the end of the season. So Oregon State, even with the loss last week, uh, they haven't written off their chances. Yeah, and Oregon State, they avoid USC. They will, of course, play Oregon uh, later on in the season, and they've got games with the other uh, big teams as well. So uh, Washington, I believe, they also have. So uh, missing USC, though, we'll see how uh, they're, if they're able to get back on track for head coach Jonathan Smith coaching at his alma mater. Let's jump into Saturday's action. What about UNLV right here at Allegiant Stadium? They come off a real nice win against UTEP, and all of a sudden Coach Odom finds the Rebs at 3-1. and one. They're 11-point favorites, 59-and-a-half right here from Allegiant against Timmy Chang and the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah, and, and you know both of these teams played uh, Vanderbilt uh, earlier this year. Uh, the Rebels, uh, I believe they were actually outgained a little bit by Vanderbilt, and that was a crazy game in the fourth quarter where uh, they'd get the lead, the uh, game would be tied, they'd get the lead, etc., and ultimately they got the uh, the game-winning field goal. That was a nice win against uh, you know a Power Five team, even even an SEC uh, you know trailer such as Vanderbilt. That's still an impressive win, and they followed it up, of course, last week with the impressive effort on the road. In fact, a lot of the late money came in on. Uh, uh, UTEP uh, in that game after UNLV was a favorite. So uh, you, the, the Rebels uh, outperformed the experts in that game. Um, it's a tough game to handicap because I expect Hawaii to be an improved team this year, and they've shown signs of improvement. Uh, they're coming off of that the win against uh, uh, New Mexico State last week. It's a big number for UNLV to uh, to lay because they're not accustomed to being a favorite in any game, much less a double-digit favorite. But I think they have the capability and building upon the momentum and their quick start to, to cover this number, but I likely won't be playing it. All right. Uh, let me jump over to the SEC. A couple games I didn't talk to Mark Lawrence about. Uh, South Carolina is at Tennessee. South Carolina getting a nice win at home. Game went back and forth for a while. Every time they get a 10-point lead, Mississippi State would cut it, and the game ends up being a 7-point victory. They were laying 6 
in the game, so they got the cover at home. Spencer Rattler's playing real nice ball this year. You're at Tennessee, and, you know, the Vols, uh, you know, taking care of business against UTSA. That was expected. They were going to rebound after the loss in Gainesville, where they never win, really. They've lost their last 10 there in 16 of 18 now. What's your take on this one with Tennessee at home against South Carolina? And that line last I saw, double digits for sure, but I'm trying to think. I think it was about 13, somewhere in that neighborhood. I'm trying to find it now to see if it's moved at all. But who do you like in that game? South Carolina at Tennessee. Right now it's sitting at the Westgate Superbook. Tennessee minus 12, total 63. Yeah, I think a lot of us had Florida in that game against Tennessee for a couple of reasons, including the ones you you mentioned. And often when you lose a game like that, uh, you tend to have a letdown. Tennessee did not show that letdown uh, last week, and they won rather easily. But I like a lot of the talent on this uh, South Carolina team. And, you know, the fact that they lost that opening game, that neutral site game in Charlotte to North Carolina, may have had some people uh, questioning about South Carolina. But when you see what North Carolina has done since then, that loss that South Carolina had, especially in the opening game of the season, doesn't look nearly as bad as we might have thought. It may have reflected something. I like South Carolina uh, plus the points in this game. Uh, they may have the best athlete or certainly the best uh, skill player on the field. All right, and then Michigan is at Nebraska, so their first game away from the big house. J.J. Uh, McCarthy, he's looked okay, but he has—he actually looked better last year. Uh, Blake Corum uh, getting the bulk of the offensive work there out of the backfield. Donovan Edwards, uh, we know he's pretty solid as well. And then Johnson and Wilson, pretty good receivers, relying on the defense right now. But they, they really haven't been that impressive offensively. But again, you know, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Rutgers hung in there for a while and uh, were able to cover by a half point unless you got it late. Uh, your take on this one, because Matt Rule could really get a huge win here with the two and two Huskers if somehow they were able to short circuit Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I'm waiting for Michigan to finally explode. Of course, they have played the first three games without uh, Coach Harbaugh and that uh, suspension that uh, he had with the university. Uh, and uh, they weren't overly impressive last week against the Rutgers team that uh, quite quite often they had dominated in recent years. Uh, they, uh, Depending upon when you played it, you either won or lost or pushed. It came within a half a point depending upon when you played it. Uh, I'm waiting for Michigan to finally put it all together and have a dominating effort. Nebraska is showing slight signs of improvement from where they were, but last year, last week rather, 20-point favorites against Louisiana Tech. I question the number a little bit, but the oddsmakers thought highly enough of uh, the difference between those teams. Yet Nebraska uh, did not cover. They won that game 28-14. So I don't want Nebraska, but I can't lay the number with Michigan on the road until they show they can give me a Michigan effort that they're capable of giving. All right, let me jump to the NFL, grab a couple games from Andy Isco real real quick. Remember, logicalapproach.com, that's AI, and uh, all his analyzation does a ton of work and just outstanding information week in, week out. doesn't matter what the sport, AI is on it. All right, AI, what about the Thursday night game, Detroit at Green Bay tomorrow night? Packers are catching two at home, 46, Jordan Love, and, of course, uh, these Lions that are playing pretty good ball with Goff at the helm. 
Yeah, they are. And, of course, uh, they had that win at Kansas City, and then they followed it up with that overtime loss to Seattle. And, of course, last week when a lot of people expected Atlanta uh, to not just uh, cover but also win the game, uh, Detroit that was basically in control throughout. So they've really uh, performed about as well as you can expect them to do because you can't fault them too much for the, the overtime loss, uh, especially because they had a rally in that game, although I believe Seattle actually forced the overtime, but Seattle was leading most of that game. Uh, Green Bay, um, I was disappointed last week in Green Bay. It was a weird game where New Orleans scored 17 in the first half, got shut out in the second, and Green Bay scored 18 all in the fourth quarter after being shut out in the first half. Uh, yeah, I, I like Green Bay in this spot. Uh, they remember the game last year when uh, they were unable to beat Detroit, which uh, you know uh, cost them a spot at, uh, well, well, I think it hadn't at the time uh, with this playoff scenario. So there's a little bit of revenge, and I think Green Bay continues to want to play well for the new quarterback. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on Green Bay money line tomorrow night. All right, there you go. Meanwhile, Cardinals coming off that monumental win over Dallas. And, Andy, let's face it, they were there for the taking those first two games for the Cards. The game at Washington that they led going to the fourth quarter and the big lead they blew against the Giants in Arizona. So this team definitely on the road to trying to win football games despite what a lot of people said. They're going to tank for the Caleb Williams sweepstake. Look, Gannon's a new head coach, a young guy that uh, has a lot of moxie and character, and uh, he's got his guys buying in big time. And they were impressive last week. It wasn't a fluke that they beat Dallas. They were the better team on the field, no question. Now they go to San Francisco, Santa Clara, to be exact. They're catching 14 from a Niners team that's unbeaten. 44 is your total. Can Arizona hang inside two touchdowns? Well, Arizona's 3-0 and against the spread this year because they did cover that game in Washington. And, of course, they uh, covered the game against the Giants, even though they, quote-unquote, blew the game after having leads of 20 to nothing and 28-7. to And you wonder if part of that fueled the outburst that they had early on in that game against uh, uh, Dallas, the fact that they blew this game that they felt they should have won, and most times they would win in that situation. Uh, San Francisco has a bigger game up next week when they host the, uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys in what could be a preview of uh, the AF, the NFC Championship game this coming uh, playoff season, although Philadelphia will have something to say about it, but certainly if these teams do meet in the playoffs, this could have uh, uh, ramifications uh, for uh, the Cowboys and the 49ers. So 49ers will probably be happy to get out to a lead, run the football, not take any chances. So I might look under in the game, uh, but uh, I want to see if we can get 14 and a half because this does set up as a, as a good spot for a Cardinal team that's suddenly playing with, uh, uh, you know, with some confidence. Now, does, does, does the 49ers have the ability to win this game 37-10? to 10? Yeah, they do, but that's not the way I'm looking to bet it. There you go. All right, Andy, I only got about 30 seconds. Dolphins, Bills, Bills minus 2.5-54. Just got to get your take on that game. The Dolphins coming off the 70-point effort, and Buffalo looking very solid their last two games after the opening debacle against the Jets. Yeah, and I heard your conversation with Mark, who, who likes the Dolphins. I happen to like Buffalo in this spot. I do expect somewhat of a, of a regression. Uh, the effort last week by Miami certainly got the attention of Buffalo, but they didn't need to get the attention because Miami nearly knocked them out of the playoffs last year. Uh, Buffalo's already lost a game in division on the road to the Jets. I think they want to certainly maintain uh, their position in the division, having a shot to control their destiny, and a win over Miami would give them that ability to preserve the home field, and they may have a chance to complete a sweep later in the year. So I like a regression from Miami. I like the way Buffalo has responded to that opening Monday night loss with their efforts against the Raiders and uh, last week uh, uh, in, their, in uh, their game against Washington. 
Outstanding stuff always from the original AI. He is Andy Isco at Vegas Andy 711 at Vegas Andy 711. Follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter. AI will do it again next Wednesday. Hopefully we get you down to Steiner's real quick uh, one of these weeks, and I buy you dinner whenever you're coming down here. Should be within the next few weeks. I can't specify which one quite yet, but we're getting closer. There you go. Great stuff. Come back with Mikey Domagala. We're going to examine the big trade today in the NBA. Dame Lillard goes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Three-team deal. Mikey, deal. Come on, wrap things up. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Don. We stream live on that Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it now if you have not. Archives up by about 845. Uh, pinned at both uh, at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio. But the best way to do it, just go to Odyssey. they got a rewind feature. You can go right back and listen to the show. We're live from Vegas, live at Steiner's. I'm Ken Thompson. You're listening to SportsX Radio, produced by Mark Hope. We'll be right back. Sing sweet love songs all of the time. If you come and be my baby mine, I ain't got nobody. A uh, little Sammy Davis Jr. as we wrap things up here on a Wednesday night. KT Live, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Mark Hoke spinning the hits and running the show. And we close with the NBA. I know it's the middle of football season and baseball wild card races going crazy. Houston, by the way, has tied that game, and they were batting with first and third one out in the top half of the fourth inning, I believe, against uh, Seattle. So uh, Mariners. Uh, Miller having a little bit of trouble right now, so we'll keep an eye on that game as we get out of here. But got to bring in Mikey D, baby. Uh, NBA buzz, there's nobody better than bringing in Mikey Domagal and Mikey D, man. I thought Lillard, I know they weren't going to send him to Miami, but I thought Toronto was uh, the team that had the inside track. But lo and behold, a three-team blockbuster, uh, Portland, of course, sending Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. Portland gets back Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, and Tamani Kamara as part of a three-team deal. Also Milwaukee's 2029 unprotected first-round draft pick. And, uh, boy, that is crazy. Also, uh, they're able to swap rights in 2028 and 2030. Uh, just crazy. And then Suns, they get Yusuf Nurkic. You get Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. I mean, it takes a, it's going to take a while or, you know, for me to get my head around this, but between you and the Crooklyn Ball and Noah Parker, I mean, I'm glad I got you NBA sharpshooters because you guys follow this stuff year-round. How big a blockbuster is this, Mikey? And by the way, welcome back to SportsX Radio. Always great to have you, bud. Big Mikey D, you there? There you go. You got me? Yeah, I got you, buddy. Go ahead. Awesome. Yeah, Ken, no, thanks again for having me in. You always get me on these big blockbuster days where the news is in, and I'm here right in front of two computer screens, uh, breaking anything I can and covering it in any way possible. But, yeah, this trade, one of the biggest in recent years, one because it's Damian Lillard, one of the most loyal guys in a league where loyalty is nothing anymore. So mm-hmm. Lillard on the move, and surprisingly, Drew Holiday on the move just helped Milwaukee to a championship a few years ago. and. You know, we shouldn't really be too surprised that Phoenix moved on from Aiton, some internal things going on there. And, you know, they want to get a new look at center. I'm not crazy about Nurtrick, but I think every team kind of got what they wanted. So I'll leave it at that. Wow, that is uh, that is what. Now, how do you see how do you see this uh, Phoenix Suns team going into the year? I mean, Nurkic, Grayson Allen. I like Grayson Allen's game, man. There's no doubt when his shot is on, he's a streak shooter. But uh, you know, he's played a complete game this year. Little uh, Keon Johnson. I mean, this Suns 
fan base. I got uh, brother-in-laws that have season tickets, and they're just wondering, how good will this Suns team be in Mikey Domagala's estimation? Yeah, well, like I said, they they wanted a stronger bench, and they needed a stronger bench. So I think getting little Johnson and Allen, I mean, Allen's a great shooter off the bench. That, that helps tremendously. I see them probably being a top three or four, probably top three team in the West just because of the star power of Beal, Durant, Booker. But can they still got to sign an interior lockdown force down in that cage? Because Yusuf Nurchik isn't going to do it. And, yeah, Phoenix could be a tremendously good team in the regular season. But what happens when they match up with Nikola Jokic in a seven-game series in the playoffs and Jokic is having an all-day feast on on uh, on Joseph Nurchik. So that's my concern. I think I think Phoenix still has some some uh, some moves to make. I mean, Dwight Howard's a little old. He's coming, you know, from a different league. Is he in shape? Is, is he that guy? But they need a defensive anchor to help them out because they're they're a little small. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, plenty of scoring on the team now with Bradley Beal there and KD and Booker. I mean. You bring over, like you said, a guy like Grayson Allen that can fill it up. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Meanwhile, Milwaukee, of course, is the favorite now to win the whole thing over uh, Denver and then Boston right now. And then Phoenix was listed as fourth. What's your take on this Milwaukee team? Again, you take away Drew Holiday, you take away Grayson Allen, uh, but you put Giannis, you know, together with Dame. I know Dame's 33, but he's still got some time. And, uh, you know, as long as he stays healthy... This team's going to be loaded as well. Yeah, I could almost guarantee that they're going to be atop the East. Um, I think championship favorites is definitely agreeable on my end. Um, you know, what you lose in Drew Holiday as a defender, you gain from Dame as a scorer. So is that going to offset maybe? I mean, Holiday was very very valuable to that team and improved as a scorer over recent years. But this is Dame Dollar, Damian Lillard. I could fill it up for 40 on any given night. I'm already imagining posting on NBA Buzz. Damian Lillard dropping 40. Giannis with 25, 20, and 10 triple-double. I, I could already see it. And, you know, they still retain their depth. Pat Connaughton's going to slide to the starting shooting guard role, I'm sure, but they added Malik Beasley this, this summer. Jake Crowder, Robin Lopez. I think they have a little more work to do as well. Um, beefing up that bench, but yeah, I could see Milwaukee atop the East. Going to be a lot of fun. Meanwhile, Doncic saying that his chemistry with Kyrie going to be solid this year. Kawhi and Paul George, of course, uh, entering camp fully healthy. We'll see how long that ha- uh, stays intact there for the Clippers. Yeah, lots to go over. NBA right around the corner and nobody else to help me uh, any better than my main man, Mikey Domagala. Inside NBA Buzz. Appreciate you big time, buddy. I know you're East Coast. I always bother you, but now I'm a little earlier. Now I'm, uh, you know, 9 to 11 your time, so uh, a lot better. Uh, but you were always a night owl anyway and stayed up late for Sports X Radio. Mikey, we'll talk to you real soon down the line, bud. Ken, I appreciate it. 9 p.m., 10, 1 in the morning. I'll always make time for you. I appreciate it. Uh, I love the kid, man. Mikey Domagala inside NBA Buzz does an incredible job as thousands and thousands and millions of followers i mean it's just unbelievable what that kid has done and he's only 23 years of age 
and uh, he does make it out to Vegas. Next time, KT's taking him out to dinner. In fact, they're going to bring him right here to Steiner's Pub and uh, treat him to a great meal. Folks, that'll do it for me on a Wednesday night. Uh, again, appreciate producer Mark Hoke and all our guests. Arthur DeCesar had to reschedule, so he'll be back next week. Uh, Westgate Superbook always does a great job, but a very busy week for the guys over there. Uh, he had a lot on his plate today, so uh, it was great to get Mikey D to fill in. Thanks to Mark Lawrence. Thanks to Andy Isco. And, of course, thanks to you, the listeners. Frequent one of your three Steiner's Pub locations here in the Vegas Valley. Till tomorrow on a throwback Thursday when Brad Powers joins me. You know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Steiner Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app. Archives up in a little bit. God bless, folks. Have a great evening. Good night, everybody.